I pictured our apartment in the middle of Brooklyn. I pictured the bedroom and how the floor's still a mess. Well, I pictured your office in Midtown Manhattan. I pictured you walking in, I bet you're late again. But you make up straight and you're smiling. It's just like it's always. You're listening to Left of the Dial. I am your host, Kitsy, and with me, as always, is the inflammable Caleb Coy. <laughs> oh, shit. You might say I'm on fire. <laughs> you well, know, flammable and inflammable, are, they, they mean the, the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> what? Yeah, what, that's very confusing. Then there's no unflammable or deflammable. I guess I guess that's because everything's flammable <laughs> if you try hard enough. <laughs> if you really believe in yourself. If you really believe in yourself and your your source of flame. <laughs> yeah, so Caleb, what did you pick this week? So you just heard Our Apartment from the record We Don't Have Each Other by Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties. And I'm going to go ahead and preface by saying, like, this is a bummer of a record. This, like, if you sit and listen to this record uh, and it doesn't, like, ruin your day, then, like, I want to know what your secret is because uh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, and I, I, I subjected myself to this willingly, repeatedly. I love this record a lot. Um, but it is very sad and like very emotional uh, to the point where Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties has released at least two additional records since this, and I have not yet been able to bring myself to listen to them because this one is already so hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I, I wrote two notes for my first impressions uh, on this record, and, and one of those is that it gives me a very similar 
vibe, not not sound, not songwriting, but just like a feeling or a vibe of uh, that Manchester Orchestra record we covered a couple weeks back. Oh, yeah. You know, just kind of that, like, it's just a real tragic, everything's just tragic. Um, very, very similar. So, so first of all, this uh, this record is a solo project by the singer from the band The Wonder Years. So if you listen oh, to this and you think, that's like... that's where I know that guy from. Yeah, like, I know this voice. Like, who is this? Like, that's who it is. Like, you, you very well may know. Uh, and so... Uh, so, fun fact, the other thing I wrote for First Impressions was this band sounds a lot like if the Wonder Years were an Americana band. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, the Wonder Years actually just played here in St. Louis a couple of days ago. Um, Didn't they get the like, memo? The, so it was right before everything like really started to lock down, but like right after everything should have. And like I saw the uh, uh, so they they were playing at the uh, the venue uh, closest to where I live in in my neighborhood. So I walk past it all the time, and they always put their schedule up way too late. So I basically I saw that they were playing like a day or two in advance. And then the day of, I happened to be walking by. I was like, oh, shit, that's tonight. Yeah, I'm not going out tonight. <laughs> but. Uh, and now you're not going out any night. Now I'm not going out any night. And I'm really, I am disappointed that I missed the opportunity to see them because I do love that band. Uh, and it also would have been a relevant story to this. But uh, such is life in the time of a pandemic. Uh, however. This is the singer's uh, solo project, and one thing that I think is really fucking interesting about this record and about the uh, the the way that it, it calls up <laughs> there goes Penelope uh, calls up a similar mood to the uh, Manchester Orchestra record. It's completely a work of fiction. Like nothing about this is a direct like autobiographical thing. It's not like him writing about his own life. So when you listen to this, even though like it'll rip you right through the guts, like don't feel too bad for him. Like he made it up, uh, which like astounds me. Like when someone is able to to make something this like deep and like this emotionally present, uh, completely just from like their own creativity and not from direct experience. <clears throat> and so essentially this, uh, this whole record is a story about a guy named Aaron uh, and Aaron is going through some shit, just a series of hardships. Like he's married to a woman named Diane and that marriage fails after, you know, Aaron loses his father and like, Diane gets pregnant and they lose the baby and Aaron goes through this series of depression and Diane leaves. I mean, like, it's just this, like, I don't even want to say emotional roller coaster. It's like you get to the top of the roller coaster and start dropping and the drop never stops. Wow. <laughs> and so that's, that's where we, we get with the apartment. The apartment is just, just setting that scene uh, of this, this life together. Like basically if this were a movie, it'd be the, the introductory scene where you just see the main character just like sitting there by themselves, like contemplating what went wrong just before they do the three years previous cut back to like his whole life. You know, and he starts saying, you know, I pictured our apartment in the middle of Brooklyn. I pictured the bedroom and how the floor is still a mess. 
Well, I pictured your office in Midtown Manhattan, and I pictured you walking in. I bet you're late again, but your makeup's straight, and you're smiling, just like it's always been. And, you know, he goes on to talk about, like, you know, meeting up with her sister over lunch and how, like, realizing, like, legit, like, this is over, like, she's filing for divorce, and, like, it just, it slaps you right in the face from the get-go. And... It's for the most part, this is a very like slow, kind of quiet acoustic record. Uh, and I like that you used uh, the word Americana to describe it because I have that a couple places in my notes as well. Like, it definitely has that, like, not full on like country, but that kind of like alt rock acoustic, uh, like a very kind of down south sort of feel. It's got a little twang to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because it's, it's written by someone from New York, but someone who and like managed to like capture that sound of you know the American South. <sighs> this record's hard, man. <laughs> yeah. You keep picking the hard ones. I do. I do. Um and I think again as much as we we prefer not to do this uh with this record in particular it makes a lot of sense to take it somewhat sequentially because of the way it tells a story that's so fair the next track that i would like really want to highlight would be track number two it's called grapefruit hey holy ghost why'd you leave me and where'd you go i know we ain't spoken so long but i've got enough if I start drinking I'm gonna be the town drunk You always said I should lighten up I'm gonna lighten up I'm gonna lighten up
I'm a, a pretty staunch atheist, but like even I understand like the prayer in this song. Hey, Holy Ghost, why'd you leave me? Where'd you go? Right when I fucking need you, I'm all alone. <laughs> and yeah, so, like, it's a good one. You just like you feel this like descent into just everything is falling apart. You know, you know. I shut you out after the funeral, mired in doubt. You thought a family would help, and I was struggling, and you could tell. When we got the news that you were pregnant, we painted a room pink and orange like a grapefruit. I know how you bad you wanted this too. I know it killed you. And like that whole thing, like, you know, he's the, the character losing his, his father and like sinking into a depression. And then suddenly, oh, there's this new life. You know, we're going to have a family. And then you know, she loses the baby and like they just, they collapse. Yeah. Whoa. I'm not sure I can make it through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to. I have to, and I will. You are, you are contractually obligated. <laughs> Michael will have my head if I don't. Mm, he sure will. <laughs> oh, man. So, again, it's just... I, like, every time I listen to this song, like I struggle to, like, to, just to hold it together. You know, like, I know it's fiction, and I don't actually directly like relate in any way to this song, but he puts so much raw emotion into it. And again, like I, for it to be a work of fiction and for it to feel so real is so impressive to me. Yeah, I noticed a, there were a couple times listening to this, like digging into the lyrics, where I just kind of started to tear up a little bit. And I don't know when I became the kind of person who, you know, has like an emotional, like a, a, an emotional reaction of that level to things I don't even relate to, but just like, you know, I can, I can hear and feel the pain of this other person. And that's like getting to me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's only been in the last few years that started happening to me, but it started to happen to me a lot. And, uh, it's, you know, on one hand it's nice. Cause it's like, I don't know, I feel like that that like tells me I'm definitely human and not a robot. <laughs> so I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit uh, to a track called Running Scared. You dancing in a backyard in North Jersey. You holding sparklers Silhouetted by the porch lights On a summer evening So while I'm pulling my gloves off with my teeth It occurred to me you used to be happy I curse the Across state lines Now I'm scraping 
Ice off for the windshield with a piece of broken tail light. He's already set the scene. You know, this this guy Aaron, like his life has just fallen apart. Like his dad has died, his like his child has died, his wife has left him, and he's all alone, and he's stuck in like New York winters, which are fucking miserable. No matter oh, I know. <laughs> no matter what state your life is in, uh, they will make it worse. Um, and so he uh he takes off and starts to head south and is you know, like in this song he's just kind of trapped in these like memories of um of his wife uh you know this like cherished memory of their time together but also there's this imagery of like like pulling over on the side of the road and trying to sleep in the backseat of your car when it's fucking freezing outside. And I've done that. And oh my God, take your shoes off and wrap up in the blanket. I almost lost my feet once when I pulled over the side of the road in Pennsylvania and left my boots on thinking that that would keep my feet warmer. No, 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 it does not. (laughs) And so, you know, he's, He's on his way south, like looking for healing. Uh, and this is one of the songs that, like, it sounds really upbeat, but it's super sad. And it's, uh, you know, I love the imagery of the chorus where he says, I curse the dashboard heat. It's fucking freezing asleep in the backseat. Oh, God, I'm shaking. I'm empty. I feel so damn empty. And, ah, uh, like, even without the like the the loss and heartbreak and everything, that imagery itself just brought me back to that one time sleeping in my car and how bad it was. Um, but there is, a, and speaking of the like the Americana vibe, like the the chord progression to this song has that kind of Mellencamp esque like three chord like uh, Americana sound to it, and uh, I think that that's a really neat. Uh, stand out in this like what sounds way too happy for what it is sort of track yeah i mean i i at first listened to this i i didn't really pay too much attention to the lyrics and so it was you know some some of them did kind of feel a little more like upbeat than they actually are and then like you know the second listen through actually like reading along the lyrics with it it was like oh shit like this is yeah it's one of those tricky ones (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah this it, it'll get you and so i think a, an apt place to jump from here is the track divorce in the american south hey Diane, could you pick up the phone oh i know that you're listening baby i know that you're home 
And I know where I went wrong Don't you leave me alone Cause you pick up the phone Well I'm lost at a truck stop Somewhere in the south I don't know where I'm going But I'm figuring it out Locked myself in this phone booth Read you the number aloud Now I'm waiting it out Well, if I lay here long enough Maybe the bugs would eat me whole And if I stay here long enough Maybe the night would take me home I won't let go Even if you say so No, I won't let go Who hates I am I've been trying to quit Went from a pack of half a day To see cigarette bullshit It don't give me what I want But it stops them coughing fits So I know how you hate it Ain't dying I know I fucked up It's just when we lost the baby I kinda shut off And I know I never listened I wasn't there for you enough I'm a fucker Well, if I lay here long enough Maybe the bugs would eat me whole And if I stay here long enough Maybe the night would take me home I won't let go Even if you say so No, I won't let go So this is a, like, like a fully acoustic track uh, but there's some really great like slide parts in the background, which again carry that Americana vibe, carry that just like really like soulful, mournful vibe to it. And this is the like same imagery of like you know he's traveling south, he's trying to escape like all this shit that he has left behind, uh, but he's found himself like lost, just like probably like literally, but also like emotionally, and so like pulls over and he's in a payphone. And I love when people use imagery of a payphone just because, like, that's essentially dead technology. Like, to find an actual, like, working functional payphone somewhere is so, like, so rare now that it's an automatic bit of nostalgia that I love. And, like, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. Just... The, the last time I came across a, a working payphone, I was so. I don't know what the word is, but I I, the, I did the only thing I could do, which was take a selfie with it. Yes. Because um, what was I going to do? Call someone? 
I can't remember if it was a working payphone or not, but the last time I was somewhere where there just was a payphone, I immediately like put on Dizzy by Jimmy Eat World and like took a, a you know photo of it to to share a a sad post to social media. <laughs> there you go. But uh, millennials, am I right? Yeah, am I right? <laughs> the last generation that remembers dead technology. Um, this imagery of like standing in like just like barricading yourself in this payphone on the side of the road at like a truck stop and like calling and calling and calling and like desperately leaving messages on an answering machine, uh, which uh, for those of you who may not be aware is uh, a, a physical like tape recording version of what we know know as voicemail. <laughs> used to used to actually have a device in your home that would record those. Uh, but what just, a like, time to be alive. What a time. I love making references to old technology as though people don't know what I'm talking about. I what I think is is funny, not to like sidetrack too much into into answering machines, but I'm gonna please is um you know one of the, the interesting things about answering machines versus voicemail is that when the answering machine picked up the call and played your pre-recorded message, then the person would start talking, record them. But it would also broadcast the person talking like on a speaker into your home mm-hmm. from from the answering machine. And so you'd oftentimes get like uh, messages that are like, hello, are you there? Pick up the phone. Hello, yep. are you there? <laughs> are you there? And occasionally, not so much these days, but a couple of years ago, uh, I would every now and then get one of those on my cell phone voicemail and be like, you have no idea how this works, do you? Because <laughs> that doesn't work like that anymore. It's true, though. I mean, cause that, that would be like how you would screen calls, essentially. And like yeah. every now and then, like there'd be someone who would catch on and be like, I know you're screening my calls. Uh. <laughs> yeah, cause, because back then, caller ID was like an expensive thing if it mm-hmm. was even available. And uh, that was the, the cheapo way to figure out who was calling you before you picked up. And I love that, like, that feels like it was a tangent, but that's, like, actually, like, super relevant to the song. Because it starts out, hey, Diane, can you pick up the phone? I know you're listening. Baby, I know that you're home. And I know where we, were, where we went wrong. Don't you leave me alone. Could you pick up the phone? And, like, I can, oh, yeah, in, there you go. in my head, like, picture someone, like, standing and, like, at a phone and, like, saying that out loud. And, like, picture the other person, like just like across the room, like not touching that and just like nope. hearing those words come out and like, ah, and like, you know, he, he talks about reading out the, uh, the number for the phone booth and then just staying there. And, um, you know, if you've ever been at a phone booth, like that phone has a phone number and you can call it back. The person just has to know what the number is. Yep. And so like, Every now and then, if if you knew you were going to be close to a phone number long, or a phone booth long enough, you would just give out the phone number and have the person call you back. And so that's what he's trying unsuccessfully to do. Now, as if the whole song wasn't sad enough and just like a tragic enough like cap on like where his story is going, the bridge 
has this imagery that just like really hits me. I had a dream. I flew back north and the plane went down before we hit New York and you didn't come to the funeral. Yeah, that line fucked me up. <laughs> and of course, it, it ends with like him turning around saying like, I hope you'd come to the funeral. But like, yeah, you see this like turnaround of like the, this person who's just like spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And I feel like the song is pretty much the depths. Like, yeah, I mean, he kind of lingers around at this point. Uh, for a few songs, but like this is pretty much a, about as low as, as someone can be. But I love that like the song doesn't end on a complete or not the song the the record doesn't end on a completely hopeless note. I think I want to cap it off with appropriately the last song. The last song is called "Going to Georgia," and I always thought that this song like it thematically fit really well with the rest of the record, but musically I always like just stood out as like off, like a little bit weird or different. And turns out it's because it's a cover by uh, a band called the mountain goats. Yes, it is. And uh, I didn't know that until today. Apparently that is the, uh, the, the singers like one of his favorite bands. And I, I think that's really cool. Cause it's, it, it fits the rest of the record so well, but like, is very different. Uh, and so to be able to take someone else's song and fit it into this narrative that he's written, uh, and <clears throat> there's definitely, a, you know, notes of de- desperation in it. It's like, you know, he's, he's talking about, uh, you know, coming home to you. Uh, it's the feeling of being in, mo- in motion again. It's the most extraordinary feeling in the world, but he also like has the imagery of like, you know, he's got a gun in his hand with a busted safety catch and like, all right, like, this is it. Like, this is the moment. Like, he's done with everything. Uh, but there's a little bit of hopefulness as the, you know, the line, you smile as you ease the gun from my hand, and I'm frozen with joy right where I stand. And, like, I feel like that's kind of the, the perfect ending to this story. So, sorry for bringing everyone down. Again. Like, again. But... I just I I do I really love this record and I love uh just a, to repeat myself just like how well it's crafted as a work of fiction on top of the the art of his music um and you know there's there's a lot of talent and a lot of energy that goes into that that could very easily be underappreciated as just like oh this is just a bunch of sad songs like no this is a good story yeah, it's it's a really good story, uh, and it's definitely one worth, you know, this is definitely one you want to sit down and, and read the lyrics along with as you listen to it to really get the full, like, immersive experience. One of these days, I'm going to bring myself to listen to the rest of his records. I just haven't yet. <laughs> I'm going to laugh when the next one's, like, super happy and, like, everything's great. <laughs> Aaron's having the time of his life. Yeah. Everything's just it's it's all better now, man. He goes to Disney. <laughs> oh, he goes to Disney. And just has a great vacation. Just it's the happiest place on earth. We will hear "Going to Georgia" by the Mountain Goats, as covered by Aaron West of the Roaring Twenties. And when we come back, we're going to talk about my pick. Stay tuned. The most remarkable thing 
about coming home to you is the feeling of being in motion again. It's the most extraordinary feeling in the whole world. I've got two big hands and a heart pumping blood and a 1967 Colt 45 with a busted safety catch. Welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb Coy. And together, we plumb the murkiest depths and scour the darkest corners of the internet in search of movies. Movies you might have missed. Or purposefully skipped over. We break down the madness and offer tiny tidbits of trivia. Or sometimes just yell into the abyss about how these movies ever got made. Catch a new episode every week.
You're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still your host, Kitsy, and with me still is Caleb Coy. Caleb, how you doing? Hello. I'm still not on fire. That's good. <laughs> all, I, uh, all my tears from, from the first half have... Uh, have extinguished been... the flames. <laughs> extinguished the flames. <laughs> oh... Are you gonna gonna bring the mood up a little bit here? I'm gonna try. <laughs> so what you just heard was uh, the song "Rare Thing" off of the new album "Likewise" by Francis Quinlan. Uh, this album just came out uh, the end of January, actually. And those of you paying attention might know Francis Quinlan from her band Hop Along. Uh, I didn't know when you uh, picked this record that that's who that was, but I, I learned very quickly uh, through like the 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 most basic of research, uh, and uh, I'm not super familiar with Hopalong, but I have heard some other stuff uh, via you, and very good. And Francis has an amazing voice, yes, and so and a uh, unique one at that. Yeah, and so this was a very exciting record. Uh, to listen to because of that. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't yet, Caleb, or you, the listener, I would highly recommend getting a copy of Hopalong's album, Painted Shut. Uh, it's a phenomenal album. I will probably throw it into uh, an upcoming episode because I like that record a lot. I look forward uh, to that. But uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about Likewise, which is Francis Quinlan's solo album. And uh, it's... Interesting. I said that as if that was a bad thing. It's not a good thing. I I really enjoy this record. Um, You know, it feels a little more experimental than than Hop Along, which is just kind of a straightforward, you know, indie rock band. Yeah. Uh, Rare Thing was the first single off the album, if I recall correctly. And, uh, you know, I like like this song. You know, this was the first thing I heard from the record. And it was a, a big surprise for me you know, being used to hop along. And when I heard it was going to be a solo record, I kind of thought, you know, acoustic guitar, singer, songwriter vibe. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, then rare thing comes in and, and hits you with like a synthy, uh, synthy arrangement with some program drums. Uh, although real drums do come in later and it was, uh, definitely not what I was expecting from this record, but it's, it's a really cool, uh, a really cool direction that, uh, that Francis went in. Yeah, and like, I'm not as familiar with Hopalong. I, I have heard some of their stuff, like I said, and you know, when I saw that Francis Quinlan was from uh, Hopalong, I, I kind of had a, a similar thought, like, oh, this is a singer's solo record, so this is going to be some pretty straightforward uh, songwriting. And one thing that I picked on, up on fairly quickly, and then, of course, uh, my favorite song resource genius, uh, dot com confirmed <laughs> for me uh is that there is a significant amount of influence from uh, bjork on this record uh but also uh, as was was pointed out to me uh, uh a little bit of like other uh kind of uh, pop singer vibe like some some regina specter type uh type vibes to some of the songs and whatnot so yeah i i think that there's there's a lot of complexity to this record that you wouldn't expect from like a solo album. And 
Uh, I even put for this song that like some of her like melody and song structure kind of confuses me, but like, yes. not in not in a bad way. Like I like it. It's just it's not formulaic. It's not like simple and structured and like easy to follow. Like it like if you really want to get into this record, you have to pay attention. Like you, it's super easy to listen to. It's quirky. It's fun. You can just sit back and have it on and enjoy it all day long. But if you're really paying attention, it's a very challenging record, and I love that. Yeah, I, I love that too. It's very, um, rather, it's not you know, it's not your typical verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus mm-hmm. uh, kind of songwriting, and I like that about it because it is you know, I think challenging is a good uh, a good word for it because it is uh, you know, there's some left turns and some you know things you wouldn't necessarily expect, and I kind of like that because. You know, a lot of times music can get a little predictable, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's fun to know exactly what a song is going to give you when when it starts. Yeah. But uh, the thing I love about Francis Quinlan is that you never really know what you're going to get when a song starts. It could go in a total other direction, and and you know there are there's some straightforward songs, there's some not straightforward songs, and it's just it's really good variety, and it's uh, it's definitely a fun one to to really listen to and really dig into. For me, at yeah. least. Absolutely. And there are a couple songs on this record that do feel a little bit more kind of singer songwriting feel vibe to them. Uh, but the whole like the whole record doesn't call that to mind. And I think that's kind of neat. I'm interested in your thoughts on Detroit Lake.
This is the uh, the song that specifically calls attention to being like heavily influenced by Bjork, and yes, it is. Um, but uh, one of the first things I noticed is early in the record, there's this lo-fi uh, kind of piano sound, and I'm not sure if it's a Rhodes or just something like kind of similar, uh, but it's that that type of sound that when you hear it, you know it, and it just it automatically has this great nostalgia feel to it. Uh, and also, like in in this song in particular, it's paired with a little bit more traditional keys, and just has this really lush sound to it. And uh, I I did find myself googling where Detroit Lake was because I was like, well, there. I mean, it's Lake Erie. It's right. It's right there. Or what's Superior, Michigan? I can't remember which lake is there. It's one of the Great Lakes, uh, but it's not actually talking about the lake next to Detroit. There is a lake called De- Detroit Lake. And where did where is that lake? Did you find out? Uh, it's uh, south of Portland, Oregon. If uh, if it's the same one, because I think there might have been a couple, but there is specifically a Detroit Lake just uh, southeast of Portland, Oregon, and uh, that seems appropriate for sure. the song. Sure. So the reason I was interested in what you would think of this song is because the first 10 seconds of this song could have very easily turned into a minus the bear song. Fair. And I know that's one of your favorite bands. And that uh-huh. like, that was immediately upon hearing that song. I was like, is this a minus the bear song? <laughs> I did. I got a little bit lost, uh, in the like bizarre imagery. Uh, and like I say bizarre, but like also very natural imagery of like, you know, two people walking by like and talking and a hawk, swooping down and grabbing some sort of hapless animal, uh, a, a rabbit or something. Uh, and so that, like, that kind of threw me off from like really focusing on the musical intro of the song. But yeah, I can see where you're going with that. I think, I think it just hit me that if I was going to pick a word to describe the, the style of songwriting and, and, and song structure, it's a little abstract. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like that about it a lot. And like it's it 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 feels a bit more freeform. It doesn't feel constricted and conformed to like this is how a song is supposed to be written. Uh whether it be like the length of a verse or like how many like uh, you know? How many words she's putting in a particular line? Like it's very like f- uh, fluid. It's almost like stream of consciousness. Yes, a little bit. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> See, this is why this is why we have to talk about these together. I know. <laughs> Because no one else will do it with us. <laughs> so, uh, another track that really stood out to me is the second track, Your Reply.
track had some interesting panning choices. Uh, for example, the drums were panned hard right for the whole song. I actually didn't notice that because for once I wasn't listening with headphones on. I had had headphones on for most of the day. I was like, I'm just going to sit here and just listen on the speakers. And so I missed that. And now I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The The drums are panned hard right. There's an acoustic guitar panned hard left. And everything else is kind of in the middle, which is a really odd choice. But, it, you know, it definitely works. Um, and there's some interesting, like, timing feel changes in the rhythm, too, because it kind of goes from, like, a swung beat to a straight beat to a swung beat. And it's uh, it's a little jarring the first time I yeah. heard it. It's, but, like, it's 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 cool, but, like, that abrupt change from, like, the swung beat into the straight beat. I'm like, wait, what happened? And it's, like, oh, it's one of those things, like, you've got to be paying attention to really fully, you know, bring this record in. My notes on this are kind of making me giggle because uh, say uh, more the the first thing i noticed is that a lot of the like the sounds like musically carry through from the first track uh perfectly uh and this is where like the the first song is where i first referenced that kind of lo-fi piano sound uh but then there's like this kind of like 60s 70s like i used the word hippie not uh, in a derogatory way just like there's kind of a hippie vibe to this song in a good way uh, and like you said, suddenly there's this like tempo change and I'm like, Oh, there's a bop. <laughs> the chorus becomes a bop. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that I, I found interesting on this record is there's a lot of almost Easter egg, like instrumentation things. Um, like going back to Detroit Lake, there's this big, like cinematic harp run, like a, almost like, you know, the, the harp run you'd get like in a dream sequence in like a movie or something or a TV yeah. show, which I thought was kind of a cool little thing that stuck out to me. It, it goes back to the idea of being like a challenging record. Like you have to listen for these things. Like they'll pass you by. Like, then, Oh yeah. It won't feel out of place. Um, like you, you won't remark on it, but like if you're paying attention, like, Oh shit. Like there's this one little part that like, it's just there. But if it wasn't there, I'd, like, it wouldn't be right. But if you're not listening for it, you don't hear it. But you'd hear it if it wasn't there. I like that this, uh, and I, like, I think I want to check out this book. This uh, this song in particular, your reply was uh, inspired by like notes that were found in uh, a copy of the book uh, Closely Watched Trains, uh, which was a. Uh, a story about uh, Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia. Uh, and so, like, now I, I want to read this book and, like, understand the references that are made in it. So towards the end of the record, well, I guess probably towards the 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 later middle part of the record. It's a short record and only nine songs. Um, uh, the fifth song, A Secret, to me sounds like it could have been or maybe even should have been a hop along song last time i was here changing the subject just look at the lawn you said it shouldn't be so great in december do you think we should
Like it's you know it's acoustic and bass. It's super chill, but it still is not just like a simple like kind of four chord straightforward pop song. Like there's a ton of movement, both in the guitar and the vocals. So take this like very very stripped down feel, and like this is where like it could be kind of a singer songwriter sort of thing. This and uh, the the track Lean as well uh, in L.A. or went to L.A. Like those songs all have that feel. But there's still so much going on to them that it, like you can't call them just simple tracks. No, not at all. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up "Went to L.A." because to me, um, that one sounds like it could very easily been an unreleased uh, track from the Painted Shut uh, recording sessions. Uh, it would fit right in on that record, I think. Um, especially, you know, she's she's got that thing she does in the outro where you know, she gets kind of high and like has that raspy shouty vocal thing that she's so good at. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I love that, you know, it's just kind of, you know, her voice just kind of breaks up a bit and it's, uh, just kind of raw and emotional. And that's one of my, that was actually the, one of the first things, um, about her singing that like kind of hooked me and was like, I need to listen to more of this person's stuff. Um, cause I really like that just kind of raw emotional, you know, raspy breaking up kind of vocal thing that she does yeah and i can't say that i get a lot of the imagery at least not on uh you know initial pass through uh, for the the verses and choruses but this like the what uh is listed here as post chorus and then later as outro this just repeating like heaven is a second chance like that's a really cool line it is also every night is a lesson down a long hallway <laughs> i kind of feel like this record goes over my head a little bit you know like you said you don't get all the imagery i definitely don't get all the imagery in this this record like i have no idea what some of these songs are about mm -hmm. um and i'm okay with that yeah you know th this record like at least lyrically and and from a songwriting standpoint it feels like it's kind of on an intellectual level that i'm not quite on but not in like a pretentious way just in like a you know, oh, maybe there's some books I haven't read that I probably should kind of way, if that makes any yeah, sense. absolutely. It's fine to not get the song. Like, I'm sure, like, 
I, I, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I feel like most lyricists like want you to understand where they're coming from, or at least have your own interpretation. But like, if you don't, it's fine. Is you know, if you can still appreciate the song, and in this case, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and I mean, maybe some of the stuff is is meant to be a bit abstract and not really meant to be, uh, you know, fully understood, and that's okay too. But uh, at this point, I'm just speculating. I have no idea what uh, what Francis intended with the songwriting on this one. I, I like that she says, you know, I wanted to have a hopeful edge too, which is where the ending comes in. Have it as a second chance. Um, yeah, she she mentioned uh, getting really angry about something and having it, it like it feels like a little bit Alanis Morissette like in the yeah uh, the you know, the anger aspect and the, you know, the bitterness and. I think that's neat. Yeah, yeah I can see that for sure. People need to to release those emotions as much as happy and sad, like anger, bitter, uh, like frustrated. Like those are all like you know completely valid emotions for music as well. Absolutely, um, and I think "Went to L.A." is probably a great track to go out on. But before we do, we have uh, we have some announcements. If you are a fan of music and if you're not, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair question. Explain yourself. But but you know what? Actually, no. If you're not a fan of music and you're trying to get into music, welcome. Yes. We hope this is helping. Yes. Or at least we hope it's not hurting, I guess. I don't know. We hope you're not turning you off from music. We, yes. We hope we're not making you like music even less. Because, <laughs> boy, that would be bad. But, uh, yeah, for those of you who are, are fans of music and are paying attention uh, to what's going on in the world right now. Um, pretty much every band ever was going to go on tour in March and every tour ever got canceled due to the uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak and the uh, safety measures that we're, we're putting in place as, as a society to, to help prevent that. So, um, and on the surface, like that sounds like that sucks, you know, like, Oh man, I, I wanted to go see these bands I like and now I don't get to, but like, the thing is, for those bands, that's devastating. Really, live performances, touring, is the only way a band can make money these days. If your band's going on tour, you're going to stock up on merch. You're going to buy a bunch of t-shirts. You're going to buy a bunch of stickers and stuff before you hit the tour. So that's already like a, a significant financial investment. And then you're going to have to get everyone to the tour. You know, you might have to rent a van. You might have to rent a back line. You might have to, you know, if the tour's overseas, you might have to fly, uh, you know, to another country. To, to start the tour. So there's so much expense that goes into just getting to the first day of the tour. Yeah. And so many bands, their tours were just starting and then the whole thing got canceled. And they had to go home. So they put out all this money to, to get them on this tour. And now they're getting none of the, the income back in, which is just a long way of me saying now more than ever, it is super important. If you like a band to buy their music, buy their merch, um, Bandcamp actually, uh, the day this comes out uh, today, Bandcamp is foregoing all of their uh, their cut of the profits. Oh, that's awesome! And giving all the money directly to the artists. So today, more than ever, please go to Bandcamp and buy every record from every band that you love if you can afford to, because they everyone's hurting right now, and they really need it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. I remember in, in my days of touring, uh, you know, it was quitting 
retail and service jobs and stuff like that to go do it. Uh, or like maybe, maybe being lucky enough to be able to take time off to do it. Uh, but not only is there the, like the devastation and the financial loss, like the emotional devastation and the financial loss of the tour suddenly being canceled, but then there's like in a time like right now, like there aren't those jobs to come back to. So, uh, you know, whatever you can do to support, like, please do it. it I can, I can guarantee it means the world. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and to that effect, we, you know, Caleb and I were talking about what we could do to help and other than just kind of encourage people to buy music as much as we can. Uh, we're going to be donating all of the income from our Patreon in both, uh, both March and April to a fund uh, that is helping musicians who have taken a financial hit because of uh, their tours being canceled and things like that. And we will mm -hmm. also be matching uh, a donation for whatever that uh, whatever that cost ends up being. We're going to actually double that and donate that to the fund. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron for a while, uh, now's a great time to do it because the, for this month and next month, we will be donating all that money directly to the bands uh, to help them, you know, get through... Um, get through this, this difficult time. And, and I know that's not going to be a ton cause we don't have a ton of patrons, but uh, you know, every little bit helps and it's, you know, we figure it's, it's one of the things that we can do to, to, to try and help out as well. So yeah. uh, head on over to patreon.com slash left of the dial PC. We'll have a link in the show notes as well and uh, become a patron. If you want to help support, uh, support our podcast in the long term, but in the short term, help support the bands uh, that we cover. Uh, another thing I'd like to throw out there into the world, if you're if you're in a band and you are affected by uh, your tour being canceled or your income being taken away because you work a service industry job and those jobs are suddenly shut down, get in touch with us. We would love to have you on an upcoming episode of the podcast where you can talk about your record and plug your band camp. And uh, hopefully we can try to get some more people to uh, to get into your band and, and buy that record. Caleb, where can we find you on the Internet? Ah, so I can be found on social media on both Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Micah. If you would like to uh, to to hear more of my personal opinions, uh, and if you want to check out uh, the other podcasts that I co-host, uh, you can go to thenahoit.com. That's T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com, uh, where our good friend Michael and I discuss. Uh, weird bad and bizarre and obscure movies uh and uh talk a lot of shit about them kitsy where it, can they find you uh you can find me on instagram and twitter at hey kitsy hey kitsy hey caleb and you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at left of the dial pc uh give us a follow give us a like uh you know tweet at us Post on our Facebook page. Tell us what you think. Give us some, some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Ratings, uh, reviews, and whatnot. Ratings and reviews are, and whatnot. Hey, yeah, that's another one. If you want to help us out and you and you can't afford to become a patron, that's okay. Uh, we understand. Everyone's hurting for money right now. Times are tough. That's totally cool. What you could do that's totally free that would really help us out is uh, give us a review on iTunes because that helps the algorithm and, and helps uh itunes know that it should recommend our podcast to more people so uh that's a free thing you can do that only takes a couple minutes that would help us out tremendously and we sure would appreciate the hell out of you for it absolutely uh and then finally you can go to leftofthedial.fm to find uh pretty much everything about our podcast 
uh, including links to all the records that we talk about, links to our playlist on Spotify and Apple Music, and uh, links to our social media. So give that a go if uh, you have a web browser and you feel like doing it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. We're going to hear Went to L.A. off of the album Likewise by Francis Quinlan. This has been Left of the Dial, a Night Shift Radio production. We're very glad that you're here with us this week, and we will catch you next week. Take care. The laundromat.